Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value to make it worth your time. Welcome back and holy feedback and questions we are receiving from our listeners. Majority of the emails and feedback we're receiving pertains to how to train or further explain about training sales teams on being programmed to win. Rewiring or wiring your sales team to be programmed to win is not an easy task. If that was the case, then everyone would have a highly effective sales team. This topic has been covered by quite a few people to be sarcastic. Let's be real. Anyone has touched a level of success wants to pretend they have broken the code, maybe in their own mind, on a new system that is going to change the game. If that's you, stop it. I say that in the nicest way possible, but I do appreciate the salesmanship. Listen up. No one breaks any codes. All they do is find a way to what I call a perfect cycle of positivity all to hit it once. For today's episode, I would like to stay zoned in on the outcome that this podcast was designed to do. Bring the listeners something fresh, uncut, and raw when it comes to understanding both sides of the buyer-seller relationship. The methods and techniques that I have developed over the years have helped me stay on target with raising the bar at all times. One thing that I will never say that I am a self-proclaimed creative genius, that my methods are a one-size-fits-all solution that will be effective for everyone. What makes my methods have an impact with so many of my clients and companies is that I focus on teaching sales leaders on how to guide each person that touches a phone, how to define their competitive advantage and to maximizing their ability to the highest level. Why is that so important? Let's explore the impact on what that would do for others that are exposed to that outlook in business specifically the customers, buyers, clients, and ultimately you rubbing off on other people that you're training and developing new leaders. Leaders do not need titles. The only thing they are after is striving for excellence in everything they do. I can go on and on forever talking about sales, business, and leadership. I mentioned in the last episode that my obsession runs deeper than just trying to be good at something. I refuse to accept anything less than the best for myself. Not everyone is a leader. The world needs workers too. It means that everyone is born with different genetic proclivities. Think about something for a second. Everyone has a tendency to do something when times get tough. 
knowing what to tap into and being able to plan for how people react to certain situations, positive or negative, is important for a sales leader to understand how to maximize their own ability. You'll end up with a better result. Today, what I would like to do is bring back on Wes Bayes, one of my favorite mentees. You can get his perspective as well on how you can elevate your sales staff to smashing goals that you set for them and grow the revenue of your business with ease. Calling all sales leaders. Let's get after it and have some fun. Wes, happy selling day to you, my man. How are you doing today? How's business? Good, Chris. Business is great. How about yourself? Come on now. You know the answer to that. It's always good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Really impactful week for myself. And, you know, every day I try to wake up and just be grateful for every little opportunity and even breathing or seeing or the smallest things in life, always to the biggest things in life, you know, up and down. I was really thankful for our conversation the other day, Wes, to be honest with you. I was happy that we both decided the only way for us to explain this adequately, we need to break down on what to do and what not to do. A lot of the listeners, they send a lot of feedback to us and questions. And in these questions there, you can literally feel, well, for myself, reading some of the questions and feedback, I can feel what they want from us. And what they want is being able to not just understand how to train this or how to do it effectively or do it at a very high level to really make an impact with their whole corporation or company or whatnot. Did you get the same type of sense from reading some of the feedback? I did. It seems like a lot of it was coming from, you know, different sales managers or leaders. Um, and it seemed like this was a, a big area of conversation right here, a big topic of concern. As a consumer buyer, you know, we mentioned a lot about limiting beliefs and, you know, our competitive advantage and being programmed to win. Sometimes it can come across if you have too much energy and you're not really using your senses, I guess, as a salesperson to understand or mirroring or speaking to their own language and getting into a level of rapport, you can come across too abrasive. Would you agree to that? I would. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it comes back to how effectively are you listening? Mm, that's important. So listening, that's probably the biggest thing. I, I would agree to that. Wes, in your opinion, what, what are some limiting beliefs that often come up the most for you? The biggest ones when it comes to salespeople comes down to one, their relationship with money. It's a big one. That's a huge one that affects a lot of uh, salespeople because they put their own limiting beliefs on money into that into that uh, you know selling process, right, or into that interaction with that client. Uh, their own self worth. That's a huge one. So feeling worthy of the sale, or feeling even worthy of that interaction or the time of that prospect mm -hmm. is huge. And then I, I hear a bunch of little different ones, right? So you know. I'm too young. I'm too old. You know, I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Right. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, you hear so many different ones, but a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to what's your relationship with money and how do you view yourself? Right. We had this conversation recently and I was talking about my relationship with the people that I come in contact with in just business or my personal relationships with my wife, my family. We're preconditioned our whole life to be an employee mindset and being a fixed mindset. Would you agree to that statement? Yes, of course. Right. I mean, did you get an allowance as a kid? I personally didn't know, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> right. My parents didn't. My dad said it because the only reason I had a son is that so he can cut grass and do rake leaves and wash cars and shit. You know, so it's real true story. He actually said that to me, but I never received like an allowance. And I was so fortunate for that. But looking back on it 
and me being a future father, how to create the type of mindset that I want for my children and my family is it if they look at something, if I gave my kid $10 for every chore they do around the house, that will end up doing them a disservice in life because that's when I raise them with an employee mindset. But say, for instance, if I gave my kid, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks, 20 bucks for every book or personal development thing that they did for themselves to read or to apply to real life situations, that will raise them with an, um, you know, an entrepreneur mindset. Would you agree? What is the moral of the story here? That ultimately, it comes out to the outcome and the bigger picture is more important than the immediate gratification. It goes back to the limiting belief of how people view money. And my relationship with money now has changed over the years. And I view money as a, a leverage point. And it's a tool to be able to leverage all the things around me to get to the end point or the outcomes I'm searching for. It's just a byproduct to getting the things I want in our life. We both agree to this. We mentioned this before in actually a podcast episode. But the point I'm trying to make is that people are grown and people go through life being stuck in that one spot of going, man, money doesn't grow on trees. Money's the root of all evil. All these limiting beliefs, bullshit. It's all bullshit. The way I look at it is that some people have allowances when they grow up and you give them 10 bucks to get an A on a test or give them 10 bucks to like do their chores or sweep the kitchen or take out the trash. Well, you're conditioning your own kids to be an employee. Would you agree to that? I would because it's, hey, do this certain task or use up this amount of time and I'm going to pay you for it. Right. So especially chores. Right. So you know, go cut the crap, go, go cut the grass. and I'm going to give you 10 bucks or go do the dishes. I'm going to give you 10 bucks. Right. So it's like, hey, work for your money instead of having your money work for you. Right. Well, think of, let's leverage this back to sales leaders or sales managers or it goes back into your organization and a company. The most detrimental thing I ever see in a sales performance is limiting beliefs inside that company. And that starts from, <laughs> I mean, it sounds stupid, but literally you're stacked up to lose. If you have so many limiting beliefs that you're getting in the way of your own sale, it's ridiculous. Like they over 85% of salespeople today, today, there's people calling all around the world as we talking right now, Wes, that have strong rooted limiting beliefs and are getting in the way of their own selves. Like why even show up and why even dial? I mean, what's the point in that? It's not justified. These false limiting beliefs are, you know, accumulated over time through experiences and you're only living in the past because you're reliving the past. I don't know. That kind of like lights a fire inside of me. Does it do something similar to you? It does because when you have those limiting beliefs, you are so it's so easy for you to be affected by your day-to-day and so affected by even the engagement that you have with your clients. Like if you, especially if you have limiting beliefs about, you know, your own self-worth, about how good you are, you know, things along those lines, the moment you get rejected once, you start questioning your ability. Just immediately, you start questioning your ability. And so this part actually is a, a huge frustration, but also a passion point for me as well, because how my always a question I'm asking myself is how can I deliver the or how can I engage with my sales team in such a way that's going to allow them to break through the things that are currently limiting them and be able to help them propel themselves to a level to where you can get rejected nine times out of 10 and it won't even phase you once. 
overcoming adversity or you looking at things in a different way, especially you being a leader. And I've watched you do this with my sales team is training them on the way of not even accepting some of the things coming out of a, a buyer's mouth or they might say it or communicate it, but you're not trying to handle every objection they're throwing at you or handle every limiting belief. So peeling back all the layers of this, you know, limiting belief onion, in my opinion, and getting to the core root, sometimes I'll penetrate so deep inside the questions with the thought provoking questions I'll ask or open into questions, they'll expose it and they'll tell me the reason why they have the limiting belief, but they still freaking do it. I, I don't understand. That's a piece that I, literally is going to make me go insane one day is thinking that you actually have a brain and you know the answers that are problem, but you still go down the road and entertain yourself of failing. Doesn't make sense to me. Not at all. So with these negatives ideas, that's where they all start and must and be replaced with new beliefs that support performance in sales and allow the representative to perform the sales process efficiently. Think about this bigger picture. The first one I hear is, I don't have the time for prospecting. Do you know why they feel that way, Wes? Because they don't want to prospect. Exactly. But they don't want to prospect, but they don't know how to effectively. So the, the most common belief in the sales force is be, you know, because prospecting is extremely demanding activity. Right. It's hard. You know, If you're not willing to get on the phone and actually dig into what you do and then figure out who should I be speaking to, with, who would actually really benefit from some of the value that I'm able to share share something with to hopefully end up, you know, enrolling them into a program or selling them something. It's not about all that. I mean, a lot of people go, Wes, would you buy this? And they'll go, no, you'll go, no. <laughs> and they'll hang up. Right. What is the point? <laughs> you know what I mean? Never ask why. I can go on this for days. And I'm glad that we're going this route with the podcast right now. It's going to, what I would like to do is break down some questions if we, if we have some time today, but Let's go, let's go into, let's say, for instance, hypothetically speaking, let's change the view and change the frame of this. Say, for instance, you're a CEO, which you are in a couple different companies. You are going to hire a new sales manager or leader. Would you agree with me saying the first thing to accomplish is to get an idea on how your new manager or leader will handle limiting beliefs with not just themselves or with buyers, but with also their team? Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, if you don't. I'll put it this way. If you don't do that, you have just set yourself up, the per, the the sales manager up and your company up for failure right from the start. Right. But So what would that think that would do for the conversions? Just looking at exploring the idea on how you can actually train someone with your viewpoints on limiting beliefs. What do you think that would do from conversions? That would that would skyrocket them. And, and it could also, if you don't, it could plummet them because the influence of this person that you just hired is going to affect the performance of every single person that and every single sales team member that they deal with. And so that person has to be a reflection of exactly who you need them to be in order to get the best outcome out of your sales team. Say for instance, and you've been you've been around in the sales game long enough to understand this. If I was able to sit down with 10 sales leaders or 10 directors of sales right now, how many, what is the percentage of the people do you think that I would be able to expose limiting beliefs with? A hundred percent. Why do you think that's so high? I mean, I have a limiting, I still have limiting beliefs, but I deal with them every single day and learn how to overcome them every single day. That's how I look at it. Right. And that's exactly what it is. Right. And that every single one of us has them, but not every single one of us is actively working on them. That in itself 
is is you know takes you so far out of your comfort zone and you have to be so actively engaged in it that most people aren't willing to do that every single day. What do you think your the biggest limiting belief that you have that holds you back or you have to work on constantly every day? What's the biggest one for you, do you think? For me, uh, and I'm going to get very personal here. For me, it's my sense of self-worth. Mm. So, and and I think that's a, a big one for a lot of people. But for me, it just comes from, it roots from my upbringing. Right? And the way that I was, you know, being the fourth child, the youngest child, um, you know, it's it was always like I had to prove myself. Right? I always felt like I had to prove myself and my worth. Right? And so that was the biggest... The best day of my life was when I first recognized that, right? Because that is the beginning of, of, of you know, overcoming any limiting belief is first recognizing that it's even there, right? So once you start recognizing it, you actually fall in love with that process of, of recognizing those things about yourself because now you can actively work on them. And so, again, it's, it's things that I need to do every single day to keep myself from letting those limiting beliefs take over me. So instead, I look to take over them. Mm, that's important. I share that same limiting belief every day. In one of our trainings that I've done and you know, with the Between Your Numbers program and you know, TCR Consulting Agency, and we're getting a lot of feedback for those. And we have a lot of graduates that come out of that with a different way of looking at it and them understanding you know, how worthy they are, not just to themselves or to their family or to the new marketplace or with their own company, between a numbers program, it literally goes in between the numbers and teaches you how to be able to build a business properly and make an impact in the marketplace and, do, and find it, defining your competitive advantage. But that same limiting belief, sometimes if you don't work on it every day like you do, Wes, and so do I, you're going to end up feeling like a fraud, an imposter. And dealing with the imposter syndrome is very difficult. Be like, I sound like everybody else. And well, so what sets you apart? So. That's really the the biggest thing there is get comfortable being uncomfortable and look forward to the things that you don't really know anything about and, and just aim for becoming your best self each and every day. But to isolate one that really interferes with your growth and impacts your ability to take action on it is the, the most important thing you need to accomplish. Say, for instance, you don't feel good enough. You don't make enough money. I'm not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not level enough. This is all bullshit. We all know this is bullshit because there's some asshole out there is going to believe you're beautiful. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's other, you know, there's another person who's going to think you're the smartest person in the world, and there's some other person based off of, you know, the environments in their own life or the people or surroundings in it. Maybe just the country. And if I had ten dollars and walked over to the Philippines right now, I'm rich. So it all depends on how you're viewing things. Would you agree to that? I, I would because one of my favorite ones is I don't have enough time. Mm. You know, that's that's hilarious because you'll hear that from your prospect as well. Right. And that in itself is a huge limiting belief. I'm like, you have 24 hours in a day and I'm willing to work 23 out of those 24, mm. right, to accomplish what I'm looking to do. I just need that hour so that, you know, I don't keel over, right? So it's, it's, it's one of those things to where it's it absolutely, how do you view it? What's your perspective on it? Because how you view it is, is how you're going to act on it or how you're going to go about it. Right. The first, first question to ask yourself at any time, I don't care if you're a buyer or a seller or you're leading a sales team, CEO, it doesn't matter. But why do you have this limiting belief? Where does it come from? 
You know, like this is the question you should always start and ask yourself and run out of answers. You know, write down every reason you can think of, starting with the main one that probably occurred when you were a tiny little kid and write these reasons down so you don't forget them. I mean, where is this coming from? And that's, we'll get to that later, but this is an important part. And, and why am I talking about this so passionately? Because this is, I'm talking about my life. Wes, I'm talking about, I'm talking about myself. I went through thir- almost 30 years of my life with all these freaking limiting beliefs. They, I was literally shooting myself in the foot. Every area I went in my life, I was, I'm not even going to go with my personal life. It was just awful. Like all I did was just go out and have a good time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's a aimable type of personality where I wanted everybody else to have a good time. <laughs> Right. The last time I went out, they think it's 10 o'clock at night, man. I'm going to tell my wife, we got to go home. Like streetlights been on, you know, like I feel old, but it's just because it, there's nothing out there good for me anymore. Like what the hell am I going to be out there for? Like I would rather be able to spend valuable time with my wife, which I do shouldn't, well, I should do more of. Because your value system changed. It completely changed in the way that I was looking at life in general. I felt, I feel free. So when I hear someone tell me that I don't have enough time, what? You don't have enough time. Like I got the same hours of the day than you got. <laughs> you know, right. like when's the last time you audited that time? Right. I mean, when so when's the last okay, let's break this down now. So that's I just get really curious and I'll start asking questions like, so what do you do with your time normally? What makes you happy? Like, so talk to me about, you know, how old are you right now? And they're like, Oh, I'm 50. I'm like, you're gonna be pissed off at 90 if you make it that long, if you wait until 20 more years and be like, man, I told this, I told this guy that was really trying to help me. <laughs> and you know, I didn't have enough time. That's why I didn't do it. Right. And I feel that sometimes I fail people if I'm not able to convince them that understanding that they're looking at things in a wrong freaking lens. Right. Absolutely. Because a sales, I mean, think about it in a sales interaction, right? So we'll take it, take it to that for just one second. And someone, a prospect tells you, I don't have time. If, what happens in most scenarios there is that the salesperson is going to go after it, right? They're, they're going to start asking questions about, you know, what do you mean you don't have time, right? But in reality, if a, a prospect tells you, I don't have time, that usually means that you didn't actually uncover what's important to them and what their priority truly is. Right. Because anybody will make time if, if the priority is there. Okay? So, and that's really, really important to understand that I don't have time is probably the most ridiculous limiting belief I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the next question usually to ask, and I'm glad that you didn't go right at the objection. You see, guys, I hope everyone's listening to this. And he didn't go right after it. I I trained my sales teams. I trained my companies to to do this. And Wes's probably ears are going to bleed now because he's going to hear me say it again. Don't ever ask a question you don't know the answer to. And there's a lot of indirect questions you can ask at that time to lead and get the answer you're looking for. I mean, would you agree? I would because... You you should you should understand the outcome of every question you're going to ask and where it's going to lead to and ideally you're making it lead to the outcome that you want. Mm-hmm. Next question we'll be asking is what evidence do you have that undermines your limiting belief? Talk to me. And now usually when I say something like that, I'm using my tonality like talk to me and I'm making it okay for them to tell me anything they want. I mean, as a buyer, I mean, it just say for instance I was calling you and you're the person I was talking to. If I said something that like that to you, and I'll repeat it, it's like, what evidence do you have that undermines your limiting belief? Right. Now you're putting me in the hot seat. Right. I'm putting it all back on you. As a salesperson, what they normally would do is they're not going to ask that question or frame it to what I'm technically doing, guys. And I want everyone to understand this. I'm framing the question to make it okay for them to answer in any way they want. 
isn't that the biggest thing in sales? They want them to trust you. But it wouldn't work unless I laid down the framework or the dialogue of them understanding what I'm trying to accomplish with them. Right. You put it back on them. You put them in the hot seat, but it's through a guided path. Yes. Because we know exactly when they're answering that question, we know exactly where it's leading to. And so again, you're not asking a question you don't already know the answer to because whatever they say to you at that point, doesn't matter what they say to you, you're still going, your next follow-up question or the way that you lead that is going to still be towards exactly where you want to get them to. Right. And I mean, you didn't know this when you're in the first call, if someone's not really engaged with you, you know, the way of looking at what we're trying to accomplish here, let's stay on target. So I'll say, listen, you know, has your limiting beliefs held you back of living a fulfilled life? The way they answer the question, I know exactly where to go with that. So you just come back with something when I ask that. How has your limiting belief held you back from living a fulfilled life, Wes? Well, I've, I feel like I've, I'm always working. I've never gotten really to do the things that I want to do. Working. What are you working towards, do you think? Right now, really, I'm just working to pay my bills. Pay your bills. What bills do you have? Uh, you know, my car and you know my house and just you know my ex- other expenses and credit cards and stuff like that okay so and that's got to be really difficult for you correct yeah it is and and i just want you to see things the way that i'm looking at them with you and i can literally feel the pain in that and that's got to be very difficult for you your family and we'll get into all that later but say for instance i asked the question about being able to live a fulfilled life you went towards time, money, things that you need to do, bills. Why did you go there, do you think? You know, it's, it's the, really, it's the first thing on my mind. I mean, it's the, it's the thing that I think about the most. Why? Uh, you know, that's it's something that stresses me out, really, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, it's something that, you know, I'm always worried about. Okay. Worry causes stress. Would you agree? Yeah. The human brain doesn't know where stress comes from. Next thing you know, you ever seen someone just snap? Yeah. That's what usually happens. And what I mean by fulfilled life, ask me the question the way that I ask you. Ask me the question, Wes. And this is what a lot of people don't do. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. A lot of people, and I listen to a lot of calls, Wes. I mean, I can go through what, 19 different brands of trade schools that I listen to certain calls and directors that send me like the top three. So when they send me to stuff, I'll listen to them I'm like, God, that's just awful. They're not getting the they're not getting the concept of what I'm trying to deliver and trying to help their teams with. And every once in a while I'll get a really good one. But they never do this. They'll ask the question with the student or ask the question with the buyer, and they never flip it around. Right. They'll go, ask me that question. Let's see how I answer it. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I want you to ask me if that's actually holding me back on living a fulfilled life and what do I see? What do I visualize when I say fulfillment? What do you think of? How impactful would that be? It's extremely impactful because now you're going to give them an example of what it's really like to be on the other side. And now I'm giving them something they can look at and that takes off the pressure off of them and it takes it off of you. Now they're looking at things through a door. You ever seen that movie um, years ago on, what is it? Ebenezer Scrooge. What was that movie? 12 Days of Christmas or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. Remember? Yeah. Like the Christmas Carol or something. I, I remember what it's called. <laughs> right. I'll know. I'll know here in the next couple of months, right? Because <laughs> it's going to be played like over and over and over and over. <laughs> right. When I watch that movie, it's just like uh, you come back and all these ghosts of life and they're like showing you your life. 
it, you're now looking at it in a different way. You're able to see things that you normally wouldn't see because you're looking at it in an out of body experience. That's the way that you need to handle things is almost sometimes, you know, especially when you're deal- dealing with someone like myself as a driver, I like to drive conversations where I'm very strong mind and I'm not going to really, you know, I guess you say submit to certain things. So whenever I'm talking and communicating with a buyer that is another driver, I'm not going to go right at them with that. I'll come around the corner and so they can see things in a different perspective. So that way I'm not butting heads and taking the rapport level down. So I know I'm going over a lot of information and Wes has given you a lot of stuff, but Wes, I mean, reel me back in a little bit because I'm starting to go nuts with a lot of these limiting beliefs and the questions that we're getting because people are missing out on so many opportunities to learn more about themselves and their sales teams and also developing more rapport within their whole company and changing the culture. Would you agree? I would. I think ultimately, you know, helping them identify how to how to go about even getting the process started of overcoming those limiting beliefs, whether it's in them or even their sales teams, or if that's a salesperson themselves, even within themselves, uh, I think it's going to be extremely helpful because really that truly is the first step in the process. Right. One of the biggest things, and I mentioned this um, actually in a training once, is that one of the most I don't know, life-changing moments I've ever had in my life and experiences is that I hit a certain level of success in my life. And someone was trying to teach me, one of my mentors at the time, he was trying to teach me what regret looks like and feels like in an outer body experience or looking at it in a different perspective. And he said, Chris, this is what I want you to do this weekend. I assume you have a retirement home next to you. I said, what do you mean? A retirement home? What the hell are you talking about? I'm trying to make money. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach you to teach me how to build another freaking business or get my business to, you know, a certain milestone. He said, no, listen, Chris, I want you to understand something. This is going to make you a better salesperson. And it's also going to make you a better trainer. You said that you wanted to hit, you know, a certain level of companies and a certain things that you really want to do and you value your time more. Well, I'm going to teach you something. Get a pen and piece of paper. And I want you to, I want you to go online right now and write down all the retirement homes next to you. As you're writing down, going to the internet and finding all the retirement homes, I want you to call and ask for, you know, one of the representatives and say, would it be okay if I would come in and do some interviews with some people that you do have there and you want to make sure it's okay. All you need is an ID and, or whatever you need in a pen and piece of paper. I mean, these guys are bored as shit all day. Some of them, right? So it's, they don't really have a lot to do and they would love to talk to people. Would you agree to that? Yeah, they would. So we go into the retirement homes. So I went in there on a Saturday. Went to the retirement home and I can literally feel and see the regret on a lot of their faces by some of the questions I was asking. Some of them cried. Grown men, 70-something years old, wept when I was asking questions. Of course, I didn't come in there to be mean to them. I was trying to help them. And the one person, and I don't want to get choked up saying this, but one person said said this to me when I was walking out the door. And he said, don't be me. Wow. Experiencing that. And that's not the first time I told you this story, but I wanted the listeners to kind of hear it. But what does that mean to you when I say these things? Well, ultimately, it comes down to how are you living your life? And the, a huge lesson, I mean, I, one, I would encourage everybody to do the same thing. But a huge lesson there is what are you doing today that you would regret not doing in 40 years? Mm-hmm. Right now, for me personally, and I'm going to get a little personal, is working on my marriage more. It's like, it's, it's a human nature, Wes. I mean, when you have something great in your life, you sometimes indirectly without realizing it, you'll 
start neglecting, you know, taking things for granted. Not that we're in that type of situation completely. I mean, I love my wife. She loves me and we have a great relationship. Can it, can, can it approve? Absolutely. Can anything approve? Absolutely. And it can't get worse. Absolutely. Always. That's what we're talking about here. People are probably thinking, what the freak are we talking about, man? I thought we we're going to peel back the layers of the limiting beliefs. Don't you think we are? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this is, this is what we're doing. Right. This is a normal conversation that I have with students every day. I was talking to a CEO the other day. This guy's made $280 million. $280 million. He's like, Chris, I really need you to help with this thing. I need you to help me with the revenue. I need you to help me with the conversions. I need you to help me with this. And you know what I told him? What is your culture inside your sales team? currently. That's what you want me to make an impact in. But what does your culture look like to you? I mean, how would you describe it? He couldn't tell me. I just don't, I don't understand. How is it possible that people don't really see things of a way of increasing their value within their own company? I mean, how do you, how does your company view you? I mean, Westy, what do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, the question is, how have they bought into you? And then, the, and then the truth is, if you can't even answer that question, then they haven't. Mm -hmm. So that means you're telling me every person there, the only thing that they're incentivized by is money and a paycheck. Right. I mean, I can't believe that. So what is their true value or what is your true value to them? If you can't answer that question, then what is the point? What's the point? You got a lot of reevaluating to do. I mean, but I would train the same person. Like I'm training a CEO and I'm training companies now, Wes, different capacity, but I train them the same way that I would train someone trying to sell them a thousand dollar product. Why change the game? Why change the way that you frame questions and the way that you ask questions? You don't change the way you do things by who you're talking to. You start figuring out what they need from you by listening to your client. But as a, but if I wasn't listening to him and asking that question, do you think that conversation I had with him was, you know, was impactful for him? Of course, because other people most likely would have said, okay, well, here are some strategies we can implement to start increasing revenue. And we all know, and, and with, you know, what you're, you know, describing here, Chris, that wouldn't have done anything for him, right? It comes from within. Right. Well, I didn't come at him like every other person was trying to sign that contract. I mean, he was open bid contract. He wanted someone to come in and, you know, basically take over his sales team and train the whole staff and do that. I was like, I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Wes, I'm not doing it. I told him straight up, I'm not doing it. I said, but I will train your VP or whoever's in charge and they can roll it out. And he was like, well, why wouldn't you come in and I'll pay you more extra to do that? Based off the conversation we had just towards the end of it. And I was like, I'm not doing that because... My I'm best well served in other areas of my life. And that's going to become a dominating force because it seemed based off the conversation we're having right now. And I'm sensing things that you would be a high demand of getting a result quickly. Would you agree? And he said, yeah. And I was like, well, where do you think that comes from? And he's like, well, I'm I've already lost two companies this year and I don't want to take funds out of my own accounts to be able to make that happen. I said, well, let me ask you a question. What happened to you that day when you had to close shop? I assume you had employees working for you. He said, yes. How did you feel when you told them that they no longer worked for you and you couldn't help them? See, I angled it. Right. It, it all comes back to a limiting belief though. Would you agree? I would. 
I would. And it's, it's amazing that you say that because, you know, you're talking here as such, you know, a, a person of, in a position of such a high level, right? That has such an impact, but it all goes also to, you know, the individual salesperson as well. And it's pretty amazing how that limiting belief can have such an impact on things that maybe that you don't even recognize. Well, he kind of respected me. I mean, it's not like I was fearless on the phone call. Of course, I kind of a little choked up a little bit in the beginning. I was like, wow, this is the guy. I've never spoken to someone like on that type of level and them trying to ask me for help. You know, of course, it's the ego, you know, ego side of it. You want to stroke your ego, it makes your ego feel good, right? I would be talking about this with the US if he was a startup company and didn't he didn't have any money because of the impact that I had with him. It wasn't the, the amount there or the value that he had financially. He was a he was broke. He's poor mindset, in my opinion, in the certain ways that he looks at life and business. You know, because 85% of salespeople, 85% of business people present things in a wrong moment at a wrong time. And what he's trying to do, he's been so detached away from all his businesses and the culture of his business, he doesn't know how to fix it. That's the problem. How does that, how does that go back into the buyer? What am, I, what am I really trying to communicate with these listeners, Wes, do you think? The really the impact the impact that your limiting beliefs have on you and what they can stop you from being able to accomplish right and how they affect you on a day-to-day basis and the impact that they make and so it comes down to are you actively seeking developing yourself and and overcoming those limiting beliefs to get yourself to a better place right let's change the gear a little bit in future pace so Future pacing in a phone call, would you believe that that's a very high effective method or technique to use as a salesperson? It's huge. Whether it's positive or negative, it's huge. Can you give me some examples on how you would future pace in a, in, in a limiting belief? Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to go towards... A lot of times in the negative or in the limiting belief, I'm going to go towards negative. So it's going to be something along the lines of, you know, right now I you see that you understanding what's really been holding you back. So... What do you think would happen in the next six months if you didn't change that limiting belief today? You know, insert limiting belief, obviously. But what impact do you think that's going to have on your life? Hmm. And so a lot of times when it comes to limiting beliefs, I'm going to use the negative, you know, and it depends. I mean, if the person, because in most cases are going to be the, you know, pain is going to be what's really going to drive them at that point because they don't want to be in their circumstance, but say it's pleasure. So what do you think? your life could look like in six months if you were able to overcome this today. Wow. Usually it will come with something like uh, financially or money or go with something like that. Then you kind of know indirectly, Wes, is that they still are looking things in a negative light or having that limiting belief. Would you agree? I would. And that's the thing for you as a salesperson, you have to uncover what they truly care about, right? Because... Mm. You know, people, money is only going to take you so far, right? That's what, when it comes to what you truly want in life, right? But if I get to the core, if you're going to tell me that, you know, that that's in that six months, the outcome could be that I have a much better relationship with my son, with my daughter, with my father, with my mother, with somebody I'm very close to, that has a lot more impact because that's something that's tugging on your heart every single day. Money, you, if, if you pay all your bills today, you know, and tomorrow you're going to be asking what's next, mm-hmm. right? So, but that relationship, that's something that's invaluable, right? So if you want to give a lot of value to, to your prospect or your client, show them something that they can have that's invaluable. 
you bring up a really good point and I want to touch on something real quick. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Do you have your clients or people that you speak to or your sales team, you're training your sales team to have them write things down as they're talking to the student or in an all vice versa, having the student write things down? I only have them write things down that are going to actually matter right. for the, the next conversation or things that they really need to, uh, they need to do for the next time or remember. Right. But in most cases, depending on the conversation, I'm not going to have them write things down only because I want them to hear and take in everything that I'm saying without distraction. But there are some things you do want to use that for, and obviously we can get into those things. But in most cases, I want your undivided attention and I want my salesperson to also have the, uh, you know, keep that undivided attention with that client as well. Okay. So from based off of what you're telling me right now, and I think I know where you're going with this, the reason why you're asking them to write down things are only positive. Is it so they can reflect back on their notes and see only positive things? Right. Right. And that's exactly right. Because when, you know, you, you always have to leave a, the, the interaction at a high, mm. right? And then you have to set up, you know, whatever your next call is or the next step, right? And you want them to be able to reflect on that back in such a positive way that they're going to want to continue that relationship with you. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're only going to write, you only have them write down strategic things. So I would never come to a call and say, do you have a paper and pen handy? I'm going to need you to write notes throughout this whole process. I'll ask them, hey, do you have a paper and pen handy? Because there are a few things that I'll ask you to write down, right? You know, that, I, that are going to be very important for you for, you know, our next steps or our next call moving forward. I wish all the listeners I can hear them right now because <laughs> let alone, that's the one thing that even if you take away from this call, and I'm sure there's a lot of things you'll take away and use it and implement it in, instantly into your system or whatever you're trying to work on. That's the one piece of advice I would give someone if they're new to sales and they didn't know shit about sales at all. Have them write down only positive things and you tell them what to write down only. So yeah, I don't want you to write anything else down unless I tell you to write. And that's positioning. You're setting yourself up for nothing but for success on the phone call, in my opinion. And you're taking control because when they start seeing the value in US or seeing the value in anybody else, and you're providing so much you know, gratification for them and, and maybe opening their eyes to different things they're not seeing, and they start looking at their piece of paper and they're going, shit, this is some amazing stuff that he's having me write down. I don't even know this guy. You're going to be more inclined to have you know, an open mind to see things in a, the salesperson's mind or see things in a person of influence's mind or positioning. And you're positioning yourself as that expert. That's that I have to see you as an expert. So if you're, and that's what I get a lot of this questions and I don't want to get off track here because we're touching on something really important. You know why you people set an appointment for the next call? Let's say, I'm going to set a call for the next call. We'll, we'll talk about this later. And they'll, they'll go through the call so quickly that they touch on the limiting beliefs, but they don't ask all the deeper questions or the thought-provoking you know, questions, open-ended questions that lead to the core. I want them to walk into the meeting, you know, the next meeting, excited about some of the things they never discovered about themselves. But the only way to get there is say, what do you think I can make more of an impact with you on? That one question alone, goodness gracious, that one question could expose everything. I just keep it simple. I take all the pressure off me. I don't, I know I talk a lot on these podcasts and I talk a lot about things that I'm very passionate about. And 
I hate having a microphone in my face. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's <laughs> Wes, it feel, probably feels the same way. Right. But the point I'm trying to make is that when I'm on a phone call, I, I just literally been phone calls that I've been on and I will say like maybe three sentences for an hour. Right. <laughs> you know, like, but you got everything you needed. <laughs> you got everything you needed from that person. <laughs> right. I got everything I needed from that person to be able to make the right decision for them or recommendation. Because even if I'm not, even if I'm selling something to someone, I'm not really selling them. I'm just trying to qualify and disqualify them as I'm on the phone. I'm like, I don't think this is going to be a real good fit for you. What do you think? And they're like, oh, I don't know. But I'm coming through as a coming at them as a business partner or someone that is their older brother or older sister or whatever it is. I'm like, listen, man, I'm trying to help you make the right decision. And based off of what you're telling me right now, I'm not really convinced that you can make this happen. What do you think? Game over. That's what I think. Because I'm going to end up exposing for them what's really holding them back. A lot of people, when they get on a phone call, they go into, they'll sound like this. Wes, how's it going, man? How's it going? Good? Good? All right. Good. All right. So what we're going to do is, <laughs> yeah, I've already hung up. Wes, what we're going to do here, thank you for booking the call and I appreciate it. You know, and what we're going to do here is we're going to go through these questions that my CEO wrote out or my VP or director wrote out and we're not going to ask these questions and I can really give a shit about what you're saying. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like that's what's happened on the phone calls. Right. It's literally, uh, I never, right. Ugh. Yeah. What I, for me, it's every time, every time I talk to anybody for the first time, one of my goals that I'm going to tell them right up front is going to be that my, my goal for today is to learn and understand as much as I can about you, because that is the only way I'm going to know how to help you. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to be so creative. Of course, there's a lot of things that we do on a call that, that you know, make it a great call. But ultimately, my goal is that you understand that I'm here for your best interest. And I don't care if I have to say a thousand words or two, but as long as I understand going back to that core of what's holding you back, now I know how I can help you. So if you as a salesperson or you as a sales manager or leader, you have to be able to train or with your prospect, you have to be, it, your goal has to be that I need to understand what's truly holding them back and get to that core. And that's going to make you, make you way more effective than focusing on how can I get the sale. Right. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, that moral obligation or you doing what's best for the client at all times, that's where that comes in. If they don't feel that from you or sense that from you at all, they're not going to trust you. They're just not going to trust anything you're saying to them would be true. They're just not going to because you're trying to make the sale. One of the things that, you know, it really sticks out to me when, you know, some sales managers, I call them a sales manager because they're, the sales leaders really don't need to lead with their self as a leader. They'll just take control. You, Wes, you can give you a little compliment. You're a leader. You're a natural born leader. Doesn't really come from, you know, you going and doing a business, I believe you'd be doing it, you know, if you're coaching your kids softball game or baseball game, it's it just something you do. But is it because of you acting as if as well? That's how it starts. That's ultimately how it starts because it, nobody, you, nobody all of a sudden is born into an authority. Right. You know, or you don't, you know, you're not just born into being, uh, you know, credible, right? You in the beginning, you have to act as if, right? And so, for me, my goal is I'm going to work on myself each and every day. I'm going to develop. I'm going to crush those limiting beliefs. I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to be my best self, develop myself as, as much as I can. And for me, 
It's about how can I influence someone else across from me to do the same? Mm. Because I may not have all the answers. As a salesperson, I may not have all the answers, but I do have the best intention. And with that best intention and me aggressively working on myself, you know I'm going to do the the best I possibly can for you each and every day. Right. In your opinion, how effective is role playing when you're trying to train a new sales leader or manager and also maybe even scaling it back to a salesperson? Do you like role playing? I do. I do because I come I come from a world where, you know, that's a lot of what we did. You know, but I try to get to live and in real person, you know, real, you know, interactions as quickly as possible. Right. But for me, role playing, here, here's what I, I can't stand at all. When I see companies that role play, that are trying to role play their specific, you know, consultative sales process or whatever they want to call it. Right. And, you know, these are, I'm going to give you these sets of objections. You have to knock them down in this specific way. And when you get here, this is what you say. And then this is how you present the benefits and not the features and blah, blah, blah. I can't stand that. For me, role playing is about actually being able to pick apart whether it's that salesperson's patterns, whether it's it's not about the client, it's about the salesperson, whoever the person is that's role playing. That's who I'm going for, right? So, all right, well, let me pick up apart the patterns that are holding you back. Let me find your limiting beliefs in the words that you're saying. For me, as a sales trainer or sales leader, that's what I'm looking for. What are those things that you're saying that I can identify as being a certain limiting belief that now I can go back? and help you on. And then from there, now you're going to be a lot more ready to be able to go out there and actually interact with that client. Exactly. So as I can't stand role playing when companies do this as well, I I just, one of the big, biggest questions that I ask, you know, someone that is in a leadership position or has some type of level of authority in a sales division and say, do you have effective role playing? And why I say effective before role playing is because role playing is is highly ineffective if you're doing things the wrong way of the way that you're describing is that they go through a whole script or whatever. Man, fuck that script, Wes. That script is just there as bullet, you know, is, is a guideline or an outline of what you're trying to accomplish. Doesn't mean you're going to get through that whole script. That, that script is just there of the compliance side. We can get to later conversations about that. It opens up a whole other can of worms. But when you're going through the compliance side, of course, you're going to do things morally and ethically the way that you're intended to do it or you're hired to do. But if you're not able to role play on certain topics on how to handle certain situations, Wes, I don't care what company it is. And I have a high level of certainty inside myself, absolute certainty that I'm able to make this happen. I can walk down the street here in London, no bullshit, go inside of a company and I see a sales team and I guarantee I'll make an impact within 30 minutes guarantee you. Yeah, I believe it. Is it energy or is it just confidence? Would you agree? I'd say both. But obviously, if you have a strong conviction, you be- I believe certain things, people are a little bit more inclined to listen what the hell I'm saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if you don't have a level of certainty or a level of you know that belief is a strong conviction, how the hell are you supposed to convince someone they need to do something they don't want to freaking do it and never done before? <laughs> right. You don't believe it. Why should they? Should we just hang up now? Like we should just hang up this podcast. But like, if I've exposed you and I've explained you on this call, send me an email and I'll hire you as my admin. And what I'll do is just by way of you responding or seeing messages coming from my sales team, you'll understand that there's deeper level of selling rather than trying to make a buck. If that's what you want, I'll give it to you. I saw um, this thing on a... Shit, was it? 
Entrepreneur Magazine. It's a basketball player. I think it's Earl Moreau. Like 10% of the company Nike tried to give him back in the day. 10% of the company. It's worth over like $128 million, well, billion dollars or something like that. Twelve, and Maybe it was 12. I don't know. I have to look at it again. The, the point I'm making is I'll pay you a hundred grand a day or I'll give you 10% of the business. He took a hundred grand. Was it a limiting belief that helped him make that decision? Absolutely. He wanted immediate gratification. <sighs> I could do this for days, man. <laughs> Listeners out there, if you really want to make an impact in your organization, Wes, how do you do it? You, well, you set your focus. Set your focus. What is your focus today? Is your focus going to be on how do we increase revenue or how do we change the culture so that everyone is actively working on crushing those limiting beliefs each and every day? And for, from the leadership especially, what are we doing to make that impact on every single one of our people? Not even just your salespeople, but people in your support, customer service, anywhere else. But especially, you know, your salespeople, how, what impact are you making each and every day to help them overcome the things that are holding them back? First question I usually ask is, I try to walk into a campus or walk into a company. And it's not just campuses that I consult with independently and, you know, like online marketing, online divisions and, you know, teaching people about personal development, business development, yada, yada, yada. But one of the first questions I usually ask is a new sales team is when I'm coming in contact with them is that, do you like what you do? What do you like what you do? Why do you like what you do? What led you to working here? Do you like sales? What are you selling? Why are you selling it? Do you enjoy selling it? Does your customers enjoy being sold to? How many people do you usually enroll? All these questions I'm asking, Quest, what is that doing? Provoking their thoughts. Provoking their thoughts. That's what they should be doing <laughs> on a call. Right. Like, why is this so freaking difficult, man? Like, I'm literally training that. I train all day long as I talk. Yep. Because I believe everything in life is all about knowledge you gain. And what you do with it. And I blame that on the industry. I blame that on the, on the sales industry as a whole, honestly, because it's so, it takes so much more work and effort to train at that level that in most cases, nobody wants to do it. And that's what it comes down to is, you know, from a, for the leadership, you know, the leaders out there, how, how committed and involved are you in helping changing the lives of your salespeople? Because honestly, if you get someone to love sales, like if you can hang up a phone call that went really bad and say that was an amazing call and you're really excited about it, you, your, your sales career is going to skyrocket. Right. So how can you get someone to a point to where they love every interaction that they have with, that, with any client, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise? You just got to make people feel good. And I know it sounds simple. And it sounds stupid. It sounds cheesy. Just make them feel good and interact with you and they feel like they're being helped on a different level. Don't sound like every asshole calling people. Like, it's awful, man. Like, I, one of my favorite things to do is get a cold call. I love it. I used to run competitions with, you know, sales forces. And I would say, listen, you bring me the best call that someone sends me this week. And I'm not going to listen to the whole freaking thing. I want you to tell me what happened in the call and why you think it's great. And then I'm going to have their team lead. And we'll talk about that later on in a different episode of what I do with those. I'll send it to your team lead. I want them to listen to it. And I want them to bring it to me afterwards. So that way I'm not listening to a bunch of freaking phone calls. Because guess what, Wes? I value my time more than anything else. So <laughs> when I have them do that, I'll say, 
I go to the campus director, I go to the CEO. And if I'm not the CEO in that division, but I do it and also mine is that I'll say, all right, I'm going to give a hundred dollar gift card on Friday. Why Friday? Because broke people <laughs> usually happen if there's in between paydays, they're broke. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is. But you're trying to teach your people to understand that they're, you're trying to give them something worth of value for bringing something value to you. You got to incentivize people. That's right. You got to incentivize them. That's right. What's in it for them? Is that sound similar to a client? It absolutely does. And, you know, funny enough, incentivizing is, it looks so different, you know, because it's not always all about money, right? Money is one of them. Right. You know, recognition is another one. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll give just this real quick, um, you know, interaction I had the other day. And, you know, I have uh, a company that I'm rebranding, right? And I've been trying to come up, you know, with I've been asking different people to come up with different logos for me for this brand. And each of them are asking me about colors, right? They're asking me about what kind of color are you looking for? They're asking me those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. And I had someone cold call me that made me think about this. Somebody cold called me and, you know, they said, this is blah, blah, blah with blah, blah, blah company. And the first thing that they asked me was, you know, what I'd like to do today is ask you a series of questions for me to help, uh, help me understand your brand a lot more so that I can give you the best recommendation possible. Mm on how you should really look at transforming this logo. And I was like, I was like, where have you been all my life? Because <laughs> I'm starting to get really, really annoyed at these people that are trying to ask me about colors and everything else. Not once did these people ask me about colors. Right? And so they asked me, what does your brand mean? You know, what does it mean to you? You know, what are you looking to accomplish with this business? How do you want people to perceive it? Right. And I'm like, wow. And so value comes you know, in so many different forms. And that's the point I'm trying to make here is when in any interaction, whether it's an incentive, whether it's anything else, what's the true value there? And whatever that is, that's what you need to deliver on. Did you get the person's phone number or name and hire them? Oh, I've been, here's, here's the amazing part is that I've had an interaction with five other people from that same company because they all do different things and they are all the same. Wow. So what does that tell you? comes down from the CEO all the way down. Yeah, absolutely. Not to always praise the CEO, but it could be just a VP. It could be just a director that made that change. And it changed the way that the customer feels. And ultimately, it's going to change the way that they look at their paychecks, you know, or the way they look at their life. Why are mentor- Why is mentoring so important when you're looking at a sales force. Let's start it on the bottom. Let's start with admin goes up to secretary goes into, it doesn't matter to me, anybody, everyone should have a mentor. Well, why is that so important for people to actually see people in a different light or see the value of what they're doing and the impact they're actually bringing to the marketplace or companies or salespeople. And I don't want to get so sidetracked, but why is that so important? I just want to make sure I touched on all of them. Cause everyone's like, oh, I need a mentor. I don't need a mentor. He didn't talk about admin. <laughs> <laughs> so mentor, mentorship's important for everything you freaking do. Why Wes? Because one, the person needs to see them to see themselves in that picture and in that light. Um, and two, that is, it gives them a lot more ownership over whatever it is that they're doing. And three, for the mentor themselves, you always need your, your next one up. I think we talked about this the other day. Right. You need your next one up. You need, you need the person that can take over in a moment's notice too. And so, but ultimately it comes down to that person feeling like these people have what, they're, they're here for my best interest and they're looking to help me. And it's you as a leader, right? if the person doesn't view you as someone who is there to help them and help them 
you know, increase their skill sets, increase uh, or get to another level in their career, whatever it is, you've failed at your job. I'm just going to put it bluntly. You've completely failed at your job. And so you need to be that person that they look up to. Everybody needs somebody to look up to. And so they need to, when you have someone to look up to, now you have a lot more clarity on your path and what you can do. And it seems a lot more realistic. It's not more real. We all want something that's real. We don't want to chase after something that we don't know if we're going to get or not. And so that goes back to your right. clients. The more clarity you can give anyone, the, the more that they're going to follow you. And that is their natural incentive to do whatever it is that you want them to do, whether you're a leader or whether this is you know talking to your client. So the best compliment I ever get from someone isn't, you know, Wes, you're doing such an amazing job. It's Wes, you gave me so much clarity. And thank you for that. Right. Right. That's that's huge. I, it's more impactful for me when someone tells me something or shares something with how I help them see things in a different light and how much impact it, it brought to them and value. Like I can give a shit about the money and the money is just it, what happens. I mean, great. It was great making the first, you know, <laughs> couple things. Right. So I was like, all right, man, it's great. All right. Good stuff, man. I can pay for anything. But it wasn't about that. See, see how that's a limiting belief. I can pay for anything. What can I invest into to multiply my worth? There you go. That's what a billionaire does. That's what a, someone of value looks at how much time the passive stuff in my life is what I've spent ridiculous amount of money on. That's passive income. It's just something happens maybe by a burst of energy. It could be by a promotion. It could be why what a campaign. I have a certain number that I need to make every year. And that number is significantly low compared to a lot of CEOs. You know how much money I make on one company, Wes? $1. I make $1 a year. $1 a year. <laughs> because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me about the value. I just want to be able to give back and grow the company and be able to get to a point where I have an exit strategy and be able to sell it later on in life. That's my point. But that goes from a CEO all the way down. And it goes well, all the way up. Uh, do you ever like... I don't know. Maybe have you done this before, but I do it. Is call your own company and pretend you're someone else? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because... <laughs> How else? How much? How else do I truly know what you what you do? How and what you're doing on the phone and how that client is perceiving you? Absolutely, and that's how I can train. But I want everyone to kind of understand something. I want to get so sidetracked, and we're going to tie this back in and loop it in. It all comes back from the episode previously, and if you haven't listened to that, listen to it. It talks about you know being programmed to win, going into competitive advantage. And it ties all the way back into the heartbeat of your company as a sales department. Because learning is an ongoing process. Would you agree? 100%. There's one way to train your sales team for success. Would you agree? I would. How is that? Helping them. There's only really, that comes down to one thing. Are you program? Are you helping them program themselves to win? And that is by how can I, how can you get that person to a point to where they're actively developing themselves and looking to break through their limiting beliefs. If I was a low performing sales rep in your company, what would you, what is your basic protocol? What would you do to me? Would you take me off the phone and put me next to someone that's actually performing or would you maybe write me up and then just let me go? How would you approach me? It really depends on the person, but one of the ways is yes, I'm going to put them next to someone who I truly believe embodies the exact type of salesperson that I'm looking for. Uh -huh. And so, because I want them to be influenced by that person. It's not about them learning every word they say. 
It's not about learning, you know, the exact process in which they go through, but I want them influenced by the behavior so that then they can take ownership of having that behavior. Less than half of companies in the world provide a post-training reinforcement. Companies that offer a post-training support, they usually see less turnaround. I mean, we had a conversation about this, I think it was two weeks ago. We're talking about making moves in, in different departments of, you know, just one particular organization. And we're talking about what impact can we make in the sales department? And you said, if we need to get new salespeople, we can always find new salespeople. But it's not about finding salespeople. It's about finding the right people. But why is in the sales department, and especially in that department, that one particular apartment is the heartbeat of your company, is it has the most turnaround, do you think? It's because the one that takes the most work. It's the one that takes the most effort. and But truly, it's also the one that's the most rewarding. So was that a fair kind of a glimpse to the way that people look at life now today with so much in sense of entitlement? Absolutely. Should we just hang up now again? Like, <laughs> I'm, we're telling you guys the reason why your sales team sucks. We're telling you why, and we're teaching you, try, we're trying to teach you, that's our intention, is to teach you how you should approach things. And if I've exposed some of the limiting beliefs or Wes has shared some information that has exposed the limiting beliefs that you haven't really dealt with and got a good solid foundation to put a new belief into that system to be able to learn from and get a new conviction and get a different outcome in life, then go and turn your resignation in if you don't want to put into work or just hire me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and it's high, well, hire our staff. You know, I mean, you're not going to get me directly. You will get me on a presentation and get me on a sales call and me talking about what my company will provide for your companies. Of course. But it's not about just me leveraging certain things. It's about me being able to try to help as many people possible. And that comes right back into my competitive advantage because I will never accept, Wes, someone telling me they can't fucking do something. And excuse my language on these calls, but I'm so passionate about this topic. Your sales team needs constant training to identify the right sales strategies. And it changes for every single freaking team and company, depending on experience of sales reps on that team. An effective leader will know strengths and weaknesses and develop, Wes, the right strategies to warm up the idea of prospecting, as we were using this as an example. That's the first thing they would need to do, though. But well, the first thing, if I was a new sales leader or a new manager, the first thing I would do is walk in there and be like, all right, everyone get around. I know you don't, I know you people don't like me. I know I used to beat you on the sales team if you got hired within. If you're to come in, I'm like, my name is Chris. You don't need to know my last name because I don't plan on being your sales leader long and because I'm going to be the CEO of my own company. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm doing now. Here's what makes me effective. How do you view money? Point at them. How do you view this? Bop. How do you view this? Bop. How do you view this? Bop. What do you feel about your product? What is your product? Do you like selling your product? How does a customer feel? What is your normal experience when you come into work on a Thursday? Why is he, why are these questions important, Wes? You got to you got to identify how that person truly feels. Do you even want to be here? You know, are you open to change? Right. And if you're not, well, I think you know where you'd go with that one. Right. The next day I walk in, I'm so monotone. They're like, was he on crack yesterday? <laughs> you know, like they're going to wonder. Then I become a little bit more corporate and a little bit more structured with who I'm trying to develop. 
then I'll hire team leads and I'll, you know, we'll promote team leads on that team. Cause I always try to do everything within the company first. Cause you don't need to go through HR. You're, you're trying to help with the HR. You're helping with the paperwork. You're helping with interviewing. You're helping with all kinds of stuff, right? It's always being cost effective for you to train your staff and develop your own leaders. That's where the criminal crop is. In my opinion, you get the best people from those types of situations, especially how, how much of motivation and how much, the, the want and desire and the will to be able to overcome type of adversity. If their sales team sucked before and you just chopped off their sales leader, you're chopped off their sales manager's head and they're changing in direction. They just been screaming from the sideline for so long. I can't wait for change. I've heard that a lot in companies, but the moral of the story guys in a big loop back is just that I goes back to competitive advantage. Would you agree with that statement? I would. I guess that was pretty much, you know, where we're going to go with this is that, that people need to understand goes all the way back to your own beliefs. So what I would like everyone for to do and send me any kind of questions, comments, concerns, feedback as much as, and we're, I'm, I'm humbled by all the messages that have been coming in, Wes. And, and I think that us taking the time, you know, and ideally when I first imagined a thought for the win-win effect podcast is that I thought, you know, I'm going to go through the process, go through what's going on, do a bunch of interviews. But right from the beginning was that we we sat down and go listen there's a lot of opportunity here to say the things that people aren't saying on podcasts and aren't really going into detail about this is a huge opportunity not just for myself but for the listeners to really make an impact in whatever they're doing i can give a shit if you're in sales or not if you're in the it department go slap someone in the head with a with a keyboard and make it happen <laughs> let's go <laughs> you know what i mean like it's are you are you waking up every day excited to go do what you do and are you going to sleep at night? What is the what is the best way for you to get to the point to where you don't have the regret that you have today? Yeah, that's huge, and that's huge. That's and I truly hope everybody sees that in this. It's not about yes, this is directed towards salespeople, but this is also directed towards life, right? And this is for anyone who's looking to develop and make a change. Wes, how can he reach you again? I know you mentioned it on the last episode, but just anybody who hasn't listened to the previous episode, how can he reach you? Uh, at Wes Bays on Instagram, uh, Facebook, same thing. Um, and LinkedIn, I'd love to uh, connect with people on LinkedIn as well. That's one that I'm heavily involved with and, uh, just search West Bay's. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in that search box. So <laughs> <laughs> and that is actually true. I'm, you're one of the lucky ones that have the name still there. And I even have my name, you know, the rights reserved for my name. They still won't give it to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I'm like, come on, man. It was like somebody. And I don't know where they're, they're selling like purses or something on Instagram. It's like, my name is Chris Ross and I had the rights reserved for it. Like, well, the comes first come first serve. I'm like, man, whatever, man, I'll get my PR team on it. Yeah, I will say I'm lucky in that sense. Right. But then again, I don't think I'll ever change it because mine is, this is Chris Ross. And that's how I'd normally make a phone call anyway. So it has a lot of meaning to myself is that that's where I come from originally is sales. So that's how I normally call someone. So if I ever said, this is Chris Ross, then you know what time it is. I called you. All right. Well, you know, to me also, it sounds like this is the the real person, right? <laughs> so the other, <laughs> the other Chris Ross is out there. This is, this is real, the real Chris Ross. Right. Well, there's a lot of them out there, but if your name is Chris Ross, I appreciate it. If you're not some lady in wherever you are selling purses, give me my handle. But so... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. But the main thing is just driving activity and driving productivity within your own organization. And even it starts within yourself. Whatever you focus on will grow. And it's true. Like if I wanted to go learn how to build code for a website and develop it, I, Wes, would you agree that I'll be able to make that happen? Of course. 
my brain would be fried afterwards. My brain doesn't work on that one side. I mean, I would much rather work on things that I need to enhance my quality of life. This, that's where it all ties back into. Cause I truly, truly, truly believe that anyone can do anything they want to do in life, anything. So as always ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Let's go win our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win-Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.